Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I'm Pelin keskin a screenwriter and producer. I'm Jenny Gijong, culture writer and critic. This week we're discussing Barry and Yellow Jackets, two series about human darkness. Yeah, some about women, some about psychos. Just casually yeah. getting into it. Yeah, I've missed, I've missed this, missed you. Yeah. How have you been? I've, I've been good. Well, settling into my new job, which is, yeah. I mean, it's, it's always like a, <laughs> a period full of, of <laughs> highs and lows, right? You're trying to figure yes. out what to do. You're trying to get used to working again, maybe after not having to work mm. for a few months, uh, speaking for myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> yeah. very grateful to have a job, but also there's like, uh, well, now I have a job again. Um, so yeah, yeah, still settling yeah. in. I think one interesting thing is that I'm going to be heading up more of like TV coverage. So I'm now oh, like professionally yes. required to keep up with even more TV than, than I have been doing on my personal free time. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's yeah. going to be, I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to hear, to see your work in this field more fully realized than our little podcast you know like it's, uh, it's gonna be exciting i know that you're like already exhausted but i feel like it's gonna be good i'm excited to yeah. hear all your thoughts about everything yeah. <laughs> i mean if anyone listening to this my my fellow writers and critics and also helen's message to you i i am mm-hmm. open to pitches about tv and mm-hmm. culture stuff in general um bring it to me um if you any yeah. like nice ideas are bouncing around like yeah look me up yeah i i'll like put my email somewhere so people can email me and Pelin, this is an open invitation of course um so Cheers, that's babe. that's me <laughs> Pelin. what about you how was your little little road trip you went on last week and what's going on in, yeah. in your world generally well i'm the proud owner co-owner of a uh, 2010 rav4 so um i'm excited about that no the road the road trip was really smooth actually i don't know about you i'm an anxiety filled passenger princess Mm. but no it's it i've been good i've i've actually started to plan um and get the gears in motion for the short film um Mm -hmm. it's pretty much staffed up completely which is amazing front back of the camera yeah Yeah. um but it's it's really exciting um but it it does mean that i'm not going to be around to record as much um mm-hmm. you know my sundays a lot of the, a lot of my weekends are going to be taken up with test shoots rehearsals and whatever so i'm saying that to say to everyone to all of our listeners that we're going to go on a little bit of a hiatus don't panic yeah it's not summer for break long. it's a summer break yes so i think about a month or so so for the month yeah, of June, we'll say like yeah. tentatively month, yeah. all June at least, and we'll kind of see where we are after that. But tentatively, a month long ish summer hiatus starting. Yeah, basically now by the time yeah. you hear this episode. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. with one exception, yeah. we will still be doing. Yeah, succession send off next yeah. week. So our that is our one. final one. Yeah, yeah, in honor of the the finale of the season and the show so we will still yes. be coming out with that please keep yeah. an eye out for that give us all of your your listens your ears your your clicks your love yeah. for that. all um, your thoughts you know yeah. like let's chat about it i know the yeah, discourse is going to be us. flaming hot yeah yeah um yeah so i'm excited and then about like, that yeah yeah and then sort of take take a breather like everyone catch up on on your shows on your films there's honestly a lot yes. of good stuff out right now and there's and so just, like, much maybe, yeah, maybe maybe just chill. Like, take enjoy the weather. Like, read a book. Go do whatever. Yeah. I don't have to be so condescending to you about this right now, but this is just the general message of what I plan to do too. It I'm is like, trying no. to do some more reading, do some more writing, and and yeah, more than anything, percolate your own thoughts without having mm-hmm. to hear anybody else's. I I, I genuinely yeah. believe including taking ours. stock of what, including absolutely, especially ours. Like we we are free thinkers. Okay, um, we <laughs> want you, we want you all to. I have all these like amazing films that are coming out over the summer, especially June and July, just some absolute bangers from some of our favorite directors. And then once you've all seen them, we can come back and then we can, you know, have, have even more in-depth chats and just kind of mm-hmm. talk about how our summers have gone. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm excited. And just in general, like I know that watching films over the summer, 
um, you go in with t-shirts and shorts, but cinemas are cold, so make sure you bring an extra layer. Yeah, uh, that's my advice layer. for the summer. <laughs> bring, bring a jumper <laughs> or something. Advice. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And now let's get into the meat of the episode. Uh, yes. Our final episode, main episode for a little while. So tell me, Pellin, what did you watch this week? Oh man, I've been watching the final season of Barry. So. We have talked about Barry before. We'll, we'll link that episode somewhere in our description. But Barry is obviously on HBO, HBO Max, slash Max, whatever you want to call it now. So this show, as you will know, if you don't already, is a show run and created by Bill Hader, who also stars in it. He's been directing every episode this season. Like they released that news at the top of uh, when when the season first started, and it just made me really excited because I know that Bill Hader is a massive cinema fan, and I think he's transitioning into his filmmaking career. Like it's yeah. already you know there's already news going around that he's going to be directing a horror film soon. So I'm well, excited he's got, about that. He's got the chops. Like he's showing it. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's directed obviously in the seasons previous. Um, I'm just excited that he finally. Because each episode is about half an hour, it's nice that like maybe this season is essentially a film, you know, like you you could say. Um, Barry is about a former veteran turned hitman who decides that he wants to leave his hitman career behind to become an actor. So that's how it starts off. And over the season, things change, and it's a narrative essentially about how he is unable to escape his true nature of being a murderer essentially so season three was incredibly bombastic a lot happened incredible season finale and season four starts off kind of where that left off so um you know huge spoiler alert if you've not seen season four do not listen <laughs> the rest of this way but season four starts off with barry in prison um fuchs is in there with him gene is riding the high i guess of his heroic input in getting barry arrested and Sally is has essentially been left untethered with no work, um, no Barry. And then Noho Hank is hoping to go legit adjacent <laughs> with his boyfriend Cristobal. Um, so I, I like how it started, and I actually just wanted to chat to you about like the arc of the season so far, more generally, rather than like you know the beat by beat. How far are you in ter- in terms of the? the the fourth season i'm caught up i'm wherever we are currently which uh just as a note will not include the latest episode that airs on sunday night because we have not seen that yet by the time we record this so when we talked about barry previously we were essentially singing its praises we were big fans loved it how do you feel about this season and how does that kind of fit into how you feel about barry in general as a show because i think like for most (laughs) <laughs> for most shows unfortunately the last season the very last one is the the one that makes or breaks how people see it in the collective consciousness or like the everlasting memory i think game of thrones is a really good example of that how do you mm-hmm. feel about barry season four yeah well i mean it's an it's been an interesting evolution right like it mm-hmm. has always been yeah. billed as kind of like a dark comedy a black comedy and then the the darkness sort of progressively got darker and yeah and less comedic in a sense um yeah it's a tough season to watch i think in terms of Mm. if you're looking for things to laugh at or even just things to to feel that sort of uh cynical dark humor at it there are probably fewer opportunities for that but it's no less masterful in a sense and yeah every week i think in this the season's run i've been like a little bit almost scared to to press play and just like have to watch what's coming up next because there are more elements of like horror that are incorporated or just like very chilling sort of scenes and you know some of that is just it comes with the territory of of the story and the subject but some of that is like fine-tune in a way that makes it more feel even starker and so i i'm like a scaredy cat so i go in a little bit scared each time i'm prepared to to pause or to like cover my eyes a little bit and yeah um but it's i think it's still very very good i think it's just very good in a slightly different way maybe than its earlier seasons 
Yeah. I mean, I think the the issue with Barry in general, in terms of how it's categorized, I guess, is that initially, of course, it was a dark comedy. Like season one, I think, was earnestly a dark comedy. And then as I think Bill Hader essentially won the trust of HBO, won the trust of the audience and like got the critical reception that he needed it led to like him and his writers room naturally led it to a place that was that it was always going to go if it mm-hmm. was given the room to go which it was mm-hmm. like it, it you know it got the second third season the fourth one you know for him it felt right like to end it at, at the end of season 4 yeah and i think the issue is that like <laughs> obviously i think the emmys and how it was submitted to certain awards tricked people into thinking that it is a comedy because it kept being filed under like for best comedy yeah um which as anybody that has seen the latest seasons of barry knows like it's hardly drama hardly yeah like when it's alongside something like ted lasso for example like it's just (laughs) it's a little bit hard to yeah it's a little bit hard to take it seriously because it's just it's apples and oranges it's like completely different breeds of tv but i like that i like that it doesn't quite fit the greatest strength of it i think is the fact that it falls somewhere in between the lines of categorization there's some reviews that i've read which really interested me just because i agree with you like i think the fact that i am so excited and also so anxious about hitting play at every episode just because i have a no idea where it's gonna go which is the thrill of it but it's also the thing that makes me anxious and also once even a scene starts i don't even know how it's gonna end up i think like one of the more recent ones is with sally in her house you know when that Mm, started like the lack of music it was so and then like once the reveal happens it's almost like, you know, like those iconic horror film visuals that never leave your brain, ultimately. Mm-hmm. that It's what it felt like. It felt like, oh my God, this is just going to be seared into my brain. Mm-hmm. Which, again, it isn't, it isn't like gory horror. It's like just truly unsettling, get under your skin yeah. horror elements, which is my which favorite is kind worse, of horror. worse, in a way. Yeah, yeah the absolute worst, real- yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the psychologically searing stuff, oh. basically. Um but I, I've, you know, I've, I've read some reviews and for the most part, they're very positive. There's one that I did read on Polygon written by Joshua Rivera, um, who I generally agree with. I, I love him as a critic. I think he's a great writer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in, in this piece, I think I, I couldn't quite understand if he did like it or not in general. I think he has his issues with it. And, you know, he called this season a descent into darkness, like essentially a failure. Um, stating that it's too strong, like the darkness is too strong, the the dread of it is too much for the comedy to be, you know, a comedy essentially. And mm-hmm. you know, he says it's the fatal flaw. It's you know, um, and and everything. And I just found it fascinating because I think it's been a while since I read a piece of criticism where the critic doesn't like the very thing that I love about something. Um, and kind of like highlights it and says like, this is what's wrong with it. And I'm just like, I'm reading this and I'm like, but that's why I love it. And I think if that didn't exist and if it did go the way that you wanted it to, it wouldn't be as good of a TV show. How do you feel? How do you feel about what Joshua Rivera said? Just in general, not to like zero in on him. Like it's just, I think it's a general understanding and a general rule. Cause I think a couple critics have also pointed out that like, it's getting to be a bit too much, which yeah, the too muchness I mean, of it all is what I love, you know? Right. That that seems to be kind of a topic of discussion. Like you said, mm-hmm. I think Vulture, their review is also kind of in a similar vein where it's like, you know, it's lost the comedy or the humor or it's going a little too much in this other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in that, maybe some fans will also echo that sentiment. Like there's, yeah. whenever a show changes or develops or evolve which ideally they should you know season to season um unless yeah, we're going yeah. for the straight sort of like comedies like famously like traditional yeah um you know just like serialized comedies often they don't change and that's part of what make made the genre and made them yeah enjoyable yeah. to tune in all the time but like now that we are with these t- dealing with these prestige shows with these shows with like set runs um on streaming yeah it's yeah. a little bit different on what direction you want to take your show in um so yeah i mean it's 
I think it's really comes down to expectations and what your expectations are and like keeping your expectations open in a sense. Yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. Kind of going with whatever they're giving you in one, any given season, any given like episode, which is, I mean, it might be a little bit hypocritical of me to say that because we're going to get into like yellow jackets later and (laughs) you're going to be able to tell something about my expectations, but For Barry, I think, again, like, maybe I'm enjoying the show in not as much of a, like, ha-ha funny kind of way that that I was before, but it's as thought-provoking, if not more. It's as striking, if not more. Um, It's as impactful, again, if not more. And for the way that they are, the path they're taking this character down, it is a path that Basically, like, he had to be on the whole time, right? Like you said, it yeah. feels like the story yeah. that they wanted to tell with him. They just needed to yeah. sort of lightly trick the audience or the, or the network or whatever into going along with this. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, in the grand history of, like, anti-hero turned actual villain, um, if you're talking other great TV yes. shows that have done this, like, there is yeah. a pattern, and I think that it... If, could fit right along with some of those grades, um, yeah. just as yeah. it is. Yeah, like, I think Breaking Bad is one that comes up a lot, just because I think mm-hmm. that was an ending, like a season ending, like a season-long ending um, of Walter White, where everybody got what they wanted. Like, I think Vince Gilligan was like, right, so I'm going to give, you know, the the quiet ending to his character with the interpersonal relationships, and then I'm going to have the big fucking bonanza ending where there's like you know a huge finale and there's guns and things are being blown up and fire and all of that and that was like that had to happen you know like that that i think was appreciated but that thing that you're saying about expectations is so important to me especially because like this is happening at the same time that succession is ending and they're gonna end like very close to one another if not on the the same same night right the same night right yeah absolutely wild but it's I think it's a perfect example of two ways in which a character that thinks he's going to change but ultimately doesn't and ultimately cannot escape himself and a group of siblings that think they can change and be better and ultimately don't and keep making the same mistakes over and over again because they can't escape themselves. It's the same thing. It's like it's the it's the tenet of good TV is the protagonist or the characters do not know how to change. And they just keep trying over and over again. And we keep coming along for the right, because it's just the different ways that they go about it and where they go in relation to that journey. We're along for the ride because the writing is so good. The character development is so good. And I think that's like here. And I think with Barry, especially the, you know, the, the cardinal question that it's asking you is, can you escape yourself? Can you change? if you are a bad person can you be a good person can you escape yeah. your like again like just and that and that it's funny that's because like a I think, fundamental you know, human question it's a fundamental question and like i think bill Hader is known for you know we talked about it previously like he has anxiety he's talked about his anxiety he has you know like depression and if if you have like anxiety and depression like for example me <laughs> like the, that question of like can i ever improve like can i get better or you know can the world get better can it ever feel better than what it feels right now is a horrific question that you ask yourself all the time. And when you're at your deepest and darkest, it gets more pronounced, you know, like you, you can't escape the question. And what I love about Barry is like, that's it. Like that's the whole show. That's, that's essentially what we're talking about. And the difference is, is that we're faced with people that are you know, the worst traits of humans fully realize into characters. And, um, you know, Barry is like a, a cut separate from everybody else where he is a literal murderer. And then like with everybody else, whether it's like Sally or Fuchs or Jean um, or Noho Hank, like it, it's elements of them that we see in ourselves. And like we talked about Sally before, like with Sally, she, she, it's it's the same thing that she suffers from, which is everyone thinks she's more annoying than Barry when in fact actually... I really, oh, really yeah. I mean, identify like, with her. Yeah, I mean, that's just the, the general, the like, yeah, thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, like, you know, I, I see myself in Sally, like, a lot of the time. Just the way that she's petty, the way that she, 
Like she she has no shame. And to kind of see her um how it's been going for her so far and then that time jump that happens in episode like the end of episode four i think it's just really interesting to see like where they land and i'm really excited to kind of see where it goes um yeah i found the time jump really interesting yeah again something i wasn't expecting although i think it was a smart decision i think it was a really smart decision because if we are talking especially essentially about can a person change and can a person change via fatherhood and marriage, which is, I mean, that's one of the most transformative things in the world, transformative stages. And also about like passing down the burdens or the legacy or the trauma, um, Mm -hmm. how much Mm -hmm. of that will just repeat in like cycles uh, across generations. Uh, But Yeah. yeah, I'm really enjoying the time jump and the setting they chose for their new home, uh, perfect. Just this, like, barren wasteland. Sally is, like, I, I keep coming back to her, but mm-hmm. I find her fascinating, especially, like, where she ends up with this time jump, because prior to that, you know, she's, like, she's find, she finds Barry in her apartment is, like, let's go. And mm-hmm. it what happened previous to that is that she was on a film set, you know, she's trying this acting coach thing, and if she wanted to, she could then climb herself out of the hole that she's in. Like, if she wanted to, she just has to, you know, work for it. And yeah. it's just like, she seems so tired from the whiplash yeah. of whatever her career became. Yeah, that, and also just, like, sort of disillusioned with what this world is. And, like, yeah, they have a yeah. great little coda joke um, yeah, and yeah, scene where, yeah. like, people with vision and some kind of artistic integrity, how yeah. they are sort of beaten down into submission to the the big system whatever you want to call yeah. it, the hollywood machine yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah yeah she seems she's very tired and she is yep traumatized she is by, by multiple things um yeah and she, it's just she's she's over it and we see that carry through in the time jump too like as a mother she is not really there Completely as over a, it. no yeah yeah as a person she's on autopilot um and the only yeah. time she seems to come alive a little bit is with that creepy co-worker who yeah. is trying to have sex with her and yeah it's like the, the moment of of brief life flaring up is when she basically tricks him and like to scare the shit yeah. out of him um yeah 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 i mean sally is really interesting She's so, yeah, and she's one of my favorite, like, female characters of recent memory in TV in general, just because, like, for example, with that scene, like, she wants to be the dominator. Like, she she wants to dominate this person. She wants to, like, feel what she felt when she killed that man at the end of season three. Do you know what I mean? Like, which was, yeah, just sudden power. and Yeah, 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 not feeling powerless. And, like, uh, earlier on in the season when she has a meeting with her agent and her agent's like you could flip this brick like if you wanted to you can do a podcast I think she says something about like making more money than God if you mm-hmm. if you want but you kind of yeah, have to only sell you out don't have integrity yeah yeah and that's the problem though like it's just it's funny that amidst all of Sally's like inability to control herself the one thing she can control is her integrity and like that's the thing that ultimately results in her being stuck in this house in the middle of nowhere as a waitress and alcoholic like is it's it's a fascinating arc with her especially i just i i know that like barry's the titular role and everything but i just i love what's happened with her just because i was so invested in her arc in season three like it felt such like a roller coaster ride and you know with with that you know the sequence that we were talking about that that sequence in our house what did you think that was i mean the whole thing was so unsettling i think we keep coming back to this word unsettling and eerie yeah you keep watching and expecting the worst to happen because it's like why the fuck do they have all these windows open um yeah and then there's that figure that appears and i mean you get the idea already that something's not right um yeah yeah and then it becomes this like eerie dance in a way and yeah yeah and then you 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 know you come to realization as you watch it's like okay this is 
some different level of reality a different plane yeah it's not yeah it's not real yeah 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 Yeah. Uh, but it's it's so it really was just like one of the most um, unsettling things i think i've seen on i know on screen even recently um yeah for sure you know it goes into the surreal that Barry as a show it sometimes goes to um it does yeah it does illustration of that yeah especially with regards to ptsd i think like with noho hank for example we got some glimpses of him dreaming about the time where he was like chained up yeah i mean noho hank's whole arc has been tragic devastating yeah man yeah yeah anthony kerrigan is just like a tremendous talent as well like i mean all of them are really these these actors these performers they are yeah stupendous especially at adapting to this tonal shift at as their character grows in upward or mostly downward directions uh i mean no hank and cristobal just like man man oh mate that scene you know the the final scene of them together like with anthony carrigan like the way that he shifts into that desperate pleading Mm. and yeah break up, know that you know? it means something yeah yeah and it's just i mean breakups are terrible i don't think i've ever had like an emotional breakup like that but i know that they can feel the way that he acts it where he's just like he says something and then he backpedals and then he wants to just like quickly patch it up and then realizes that he can't and just the stages of grief that he's going through and like emotion um mm-hmm. yeah like you and said it's just to it's, basically warn this guy like Warren right. slash threat, you know, it's both. He's yeah, yeah. he is the yeah. perpetrator, but also held hostage by his own decisions. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, which is you know, again, it's it's, it's Barry. That's Barry mm-hmm. as a show yeah. completely. How do you feel about Barry's Christianity pivot? <laughs> I think it makes sense. I I mean, I thought yeah. that was like one of the funny moments. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yeah. Like a little bit of like you get the the levity in that. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it makes total sense, especially when you see the illustrations of his, mm-hmm. like, the examples of how his Christianity, his religious, you know, kick has has manifested in his life. Yeah. Whether yeah. it is just, like, the the idea of, like, punishment, like, divine punishment, or in his case, finding, flipping through podcasts and, and like, right-wing, yeah. like, or Christian... Yeah christian centered podcasts and and finding the justifications for yes for his acts it's like the kind of i mean i am not a christian person (laughs) i'm not like a bible person anything but it's like yeah his kind of christianity is this kind of old school old testament style um in a way but also like perverted to suit his needs which is honestly like yeah that that tracks i think for a lot of hardcore christianity in the church it does yeah it does i mean like christianity itself is like so much about forgiveness and like essentially like no matter what kind of life you've led which is you know part of the beauty of it i think that's part of the grace of it is the fact that it does extend to those that have felt like they've done something shameful or sinful in their lives and like that they can start again and that process of renewal feels very refreshing to a lot of people and it's just fascinating that yeah like it makes complete sense in general though like i think i'm more curious to see what fatherhood will do to barry in these remaining scenes just because we already saw it affecting him in in the latest episode that we've watched where he falters a little bit once he decides you know once he pulls up to gene's house and he sees his grandson and you know now he's in the garage with jim moss and i'm just really curious to see like how he will use or maybe not use or feel about fatherhood in terms of like you know starting again and being able to like leave his past and doing something for for his son rather than himself um do you think he will like do you think he is that selfless father because he seems like he loves the kid very much yeah i mean i do think he loves him very very much i think his idea of love is stunted or it's it's constrained because of the way that he is the way that he was raised the way that he Mm -hmm. just processes emotion and thought and like what's a normal way to go about life honestly this is one of those shows where i just i don't really know what is coming for us in the end and yeah i I embrace that i honestly if i was to predict i think there will be no redemption for barry 
And I think it will end in a way that feels very punishing to him, um, which feels like it justifies it. But I guess we will see. But in general, this is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And I'm so excited to see what Bill Hader does next. All right, Jenny, so what was on the docket for you? What did you watch this week? This week, I watched Yellow Jackets Season 2, which is on Showtime. So this is the sophomore season of the series created by Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson. Um, and it made a huge splash when the first season premiered in 2021. Of course, we discussed the first season back then, but just a little bit of a refresher in case you need it. It's about a high school girls soccer team who gets stranded in the wilderness after the plane crashes somewhere in Canada in 1996. Uh, the girls end up trapped there for 18 months, during which some terrible things happen, including, and this is not a spoiler, cannibalism. Uh, and meanwhile, in the present, the survivors of that ordeal are undergoing various personal crises and reckoning with their past, which has maybe come back to haunt them in the present. So we kick off the season with our various characters still in different stages. So I'll just run through some of them quickly. Um, so Shauna, we have our teen version pregnant with her best friend's boyfriend's baby in the cabin that they're trapped in. Meanwhile, the adult her is covering up the accidental question mark murder of her affair partner from season one. Thaisa, as a teen, is still struggling with her other self, and the adult her is doing the same thing, while also yep. basically having driven away her family in very dangerous ways. Lottie, the teen, is gaining more influence as kind of a spiritual leader among the group, and the adult version finally resurfaces and is a cult leader, fittingly. Nat, as a teen, is struggling with a group's turn towards Lottie's influence, and the adult her uh, came close to killing herself but was saved from that due to Lottie. Misty as a teen finally makes a friend and the adult Misty makes another friend. <laughs> yeah. Van as a teen draws Thaisa in to become more enmeshed in Lottie's teachings and the adult Van finally resurfaces in the season. Yes. Yeah. So where are you in this season, Pellin? How far along are you? I'm caught up. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Episode eight is what we have watched so far, right? Yeah. We are pretty far in the season. Mm -hmm. I feel like we have a kind of a good measure of where things are at right now. Yes. What are your thoughts? So I like season one, but I didn't like love it. And season two is half of half of that. <laughs> like mm. I, I'm I'm really I'm really not enjoying it as much. It feels like a bit of a slog to get through this time around. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I yeah. really have to agree. <laughs> yeah. Season one was at least, it's kind of pulpy. It's like fun. Like you have the big mystery. You have like this tantalizing, like titillating thing that you're, yeah. you keep expecting to surface, whether it's like the cannibalism yeah. or the cult aspects of this. Great cast, and, young and old, you know, yeah, having fun cast. with them. Yeah, I think it appealed to a lot of people's sense of nostalgia. Yeah. So, I mean, it had a lot going for it. It was, again, very splashy, pretty critically loved. Coming into season two, they had a lot to sort of live up to. They mm -hmm. basically had promised so much in season one that went unanswered. That they were going to, like, move along to the next season. And season two, I think, is just, like, buckled under the weight it's been a big letdown for me too um yeah it yeah, feels yeah. like you said like a slog especially at least the first half if not more of this season it feels yeah. like we're just treading water we're stuck as the audience the girls are stuck they're literally stuck in their log cabin the mm -hmm. adult versions of them are also stuck struggling with what seems like basically the same problems they had previously just like circling yeah. over and over and over again we're just like waiting around still for a lot of these big reveals and revelations like secrets uncovered or answers finally and yep. i think that is a problem with a lot of shows that hinge on these mysteries and the suspense and all of this that has to be sustained across multiple seasons if they plan for that yes yeah. sometimes that is just too hard that balancing act is too difficult the writing yeah is just not strong enough really to sustain that 
That is kind of what I'm feeling here. Honestly, it's also because we spent much of our teen years with shows like this, which is is really funny considering like the whole like nostalgia element and the fact that it appeals to essentially like our generation of women too. I did the Pretty Little Liars thing. I did all the mysteries of all the teen shows when I when I was growing up, like and then in my early twenties too. It feels like I put in my hours for that, and I'm kind of over whatever that might be now, especially when it feels like I'm purposely being led on just to watch the next episode, just to get a shred of information and then watch the next episode for a shred of information for convenient reveals, for inconvenient reveals. Like it's all of these things feel very over time that I have since graduated from as a TV viewer in general. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll say there's also a lot of like required suspension of disbelief in the season. And I'm sure we had to do that for season one. Like I don't mind in general, like TV and, and fiction in general, like it, often requires you to do that. That's fine. Enjoy the creation, whatever. But it feels even more laughable here. Like, yes, yeah. when we start the season, we see the cabin again. Where did all those new team members come from? Um, yeah, yeah. Like w- one, just as one example. And then also yeah. with the adult versions of these characters, there is just a lot of stupidity going on that I think yeah, man, is a little dumb. bit insulting to even yes. watch. Yes. Like these characters cannot have survived in any capacity with this kind of idiot brain going on. Yeah, you know you know when I checked out and it was so early. It yeah, was yeah. so early. When? First episode of this season where Shauna's daughter finds the ID and it's the face. It's literally the face of the man. Mm-hmm. What? No. Like I know what's going on here. I know that it's like this has to happen in order for like, the next part to happen for this arc with her daughter to happen, but, like, yeah, why did it happen this way? In the most, like, silly, convenient way possible. Like, it just, that was when I was like, okay, I see what's going on here. We're essentially, have decided when the reveals are going to happen, and in terms of, like, crafting when that reveal will happen, we'll just, you know, we'll put the least thought into it, <laughs> is what it feels like, you know, with the, with yeah. the season. Um, it's general. a little bit, like, easy way out each time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, fine, but yeah. it's it's just not, understandably, it's just not going to thrill. It's or, not fun. Like, excite or satisfy. Yeah. Satisfy as much as it, as it yeah. should have. Like the, like, the craft of a show and seeing how the pieces are fit together very, very well, that is part of what makes watching something such a pleasure and that is part part of the pleasure that we get out of like succession for example um even if we we know something has to happen or know what's coming like just the the journey Mm -hmm. is part of it and the journey here it either feels a lot of it feels like kind of silly kind of stupid or again just like tiresome to get through exactly Um, yeah i'll say like it has been picking up a little bit as we get closer to the end of the season which yeah you know, there are more big moments. We have had a few big moments throughout the season, like the long-awaited first incident of cannibalism. We've yeah. seen that. We've had a birth. We have had um, some deaths. We've had, in yeah. this most recent episode we've seen, like a pretty... I'll say, like, out of all the things that have happened this season, a fairly moving, a little bit more of a moving deck because of the reasons that led up to it. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, that's, again, like a little bit of a pacing issue because we're slogging through so many episodes where not much seems to happen. And then now they're sort of throwing everything at us. And it's like, well, why couldn't some of that have been parceled out beforehand? Like, especially yes. in the adult version land, you know, mm-hmm. it took forever for these people to come together when really they should have had them together like, earlier. Uh, it was, yeah. yeah, it was kind of a... yeah a huge drag to watch them go through all of their individual things in yeah. frustrating ways. And yeah. in the log cabin, yeah. like, again, they've all been stuck there as teens and there must be some other way that we can see things moving forward and moving in an eerier direction than in just yes. like these demonstrations of, um, Lottie's like prayer things every day. I don't know. It feels yeah. like way too little. And now kind of going full throttle when there are not that many episodes left right yeah it reminds me a lot of like lost 
when, when you know, there was that couple of seasons of loss that it really, like, everybody started feeling the strain on the writer's room on screen. You know, like, it felt... Like they, I mean, it's just it's just totally different though because Lost had like what twenty two, twenty three episodes to fulfill per season, mm-hmm. and they were like renewed for like freaking four seasons after the first. So it, you know, like you can kind of understand how they were just trying to figure out a way to make any of this make sense and feel the world mm-hmm. and for the world building to feel like detailed and and real. And the fact that you know they're they're having these stumbling blocks so early on in what we imagine will be like at least two more seasons of this show yeah I'm, I'm i think they say. i think they did imagine like four or five seasons of show yeah yeah and it's just like if, if this is happening season two it's like you know come on like it, it's too early to to kind of look like you're running out of breath essentially um yeah. But yeah, I agree that I think th- as we're getting closer to the finale, at, you know, naturally th- it has to feel dynamic just so that we can see what happens in season three. You know, like y- you have to leave the audience with something. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of like the supernatural element? Like the fact that there there might genuinely be like a spirit or something? Yeah, it does seem like there is actually something spooky going on, which yeah, I... I think I I kind of preferred it when there was that thought that it it's not something supernatural. It's just something right. to do with like the darkness of humanity as like live through humanity and humanity's delusions. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it doesn't appear to be that case wholly anymore. I yeah. I don't know. I don't like it as much. Uh, no, because because same because I'm trying to think of like where could where can this go if that's the case. Yeah, like, where can and the answer is like go? basically it can go anywhere now because it can just end right. like some kind of spooky supernatural thing. But then it turns into a supernatural show. Yeah, yeah. You know, then we're talking like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like you know, it's it feels like it might move away from what we love about it, which is the fact that this is a show about teens and about like the dark, like you said, the darkness of humanity. The fact that like women and teen girls have that darkness within them, and that's like. A darkness of its own specific kind and like how this show explores it in two stages of these women's lives moves away from that then because then we start going into monsters and ghosts and spirits and that's just a different kind of show entirely so i don't get it like hopefully we then realize that there are real people behind this or like it's not actually spirits but it's like a different yeah. community that has been yeah. living there entirely i love that like i loved it when it happened on lost so it's just, you know, shit like that is, I love that, sh- that kind yeah, of Yeah, I think arc. there is still the possibility of that. Like, we still don't know the extent to which these women are still suffering from, whether it's PTSD or, like, some hallucinogenic or, like, mass delusion thing or something. So yeah. there is still yeah. a little bit of hope there we can hold on to. Yeah. Um, I mean, there have yeah. been, to speak of, like, predictions or theories, I think there have been a couple mm. of theories floated around of, like, you know they're above maybe they're above some sort of mining operation and then like the Mm. the ores are seeping into what they're eating or drinking and it's driving them all a little bit batty that's like yeah yeah yeah. like there's like some there's the secret of course we're seeing now the secret underground like yeah the tunnel yeah yeah. tunnel system yeah like uh, that's that's warm and has, has moisture and yeah maybe they're things in there people living in there i don't know yeah um, yeah 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 those are some possible theories i think it'd be cool to go a little bit more into that direction again like i don't Same, want yeah. there to be like spirits whatever i already didn't really like the um evil spirit thing from the the first season from the, the first one man. yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah yeah. yeah, I'm. I mean, ideally, like the way that I have it in my head is that there is a whole different underground community, and then the girls are working against them. Like that, it's like a war, ultimately. That like a territorial thing that like sparks, and then they're killing people from that community, vice versa, um, or like you know whatever. Um, and then ultimately, like what season three and end of season three. Um, someone from that community comes to hunt them or like comes looking for them or something like that. Mm. Like that's a, that I can get behind that. That seems fun. Mm. Um, cause then yeah. we kind of open up the world. We open up the, the space that they're in. 
just because like the visuals of this season has been so firmly in the winter of it like that it, mm-hmm. it's something that was a choice that they made that like you know it's a tough winter this is what led them to yeah. cannibalism but it becomes very tough <laughs> it just became very tiring um yeah halfway through so yeah, yeah totally. curious curious yeah, disappointed mean, but still curious you know right me too that's kind of the state that i'm left in as well i will continue to watch the end of season two yeah. i probably will continue season three <laughs> and just to see yeah, where yeah, it ends yeah. up it is that curiosity that that keeps us going and and hopefully the show will make a rebound and you know flex a little bit and prove that it has the range to go far <laughs> All right, so for Culture Notes this week, what we are doing, just because we are going to go on a bit of a hiatus, is to give you guys a little bit of a mini grab bag. So we're going to talk about some things that we've been watching, both film and TV, and that will give you either some homework to do on hiatus, <laughs> or we can at least like tick these things off, our, off of our respective lists. So if you want to take it away, Jenny, what have you been watching? What do you want to chat about first? Yeah, so one film that I watched recently um, via screening, but it will be out soon, I believe in early June, is the film You Hurt My Feelings, which is by Nicole Holocenter. This stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus in one of her big roles, I think, since Veep ended, which is, Mm. I mean, it's nice. It's nice to see her back on screen. Um, So she plays a writer living in New York. It's a very New York movie who is married to a character played by Tobias Menzies, Mm -hmm. who is a psychologist. And it's basically about what essentially happens when you are a creator of something like she is a writer and how you want the world and especially your loved ones to engage with your work. It's very vulnerable as like, I mean, yeah, especially if you, you are a writer, you're maybe you're a painter, an artist, anyone who creates things, you want your loved ones to love them. And when there's yeah. a possibility that they don't, it can be just truly earth shattering for you, even if it feels, it seems like such a petty, small thing, but it's a very vulnerable film. I really loved it. And I mean, there are supporting characters who are absolutely fantastic too. It's also about, parenting and family Mm. units and just generally like yeah supporting your spouses or supporting your children supporting your loved ones so i think this Uh. is honestly like it was a really great film i really loved it um i love the new york new yorkiness of it as well yeah highly recommend that any people watch it i think you will love it pillin I'm so excited. I'm a huge Nicole Holofcener fan. Um, I recommend watching Friends with Money, which is one of her films. Man, I'm dreading this, but I'm also very excited about it. Like, I know it's going to be good, but I know it's going to hit so hard just because I think <laughs> for a little bit of context, my husband is also creative, but like he's, he's a graphic designer. So it's a different kind of creative, but like the way that it's been since I've started like writing in earnest. And like with the aim of turning this hopefully into a career is I I feel very vulnerable around him and he kind of doesn't read any of my scripts and I kind of don't want him to. And and it's because it's because I'm scared of what ends up happening in this film, (laughs) which which I think, um, yeah, it's I think anyone that is a creative that is like very that feels very vulnerable about their work or feels very self-conscious about, you know, the fact that they're doing something so creative and then showing it to someone it's it's kind of like showing yeah the most private parts of yourself in a way um and i love that she's doing this i love that she's exploring this as a director um Mm -hmm. yeah i'm really excited yeah all right what is something in your grab bag helen so i i I was thinking i haven't really been watching that much but one thing that i did watch recently in the cinema and i think it's still in theatrical release in select cinemas it might come out on a streaming service is a film called the eight mountains i was not expecting to be so ruined (laughs) by this film in like the best way possible so it's it's a it's an italian film and it's directed by felix van groningen and charlotte vandermeesh it's essentially about a story of two friends two male friends who have been friends since they were kids and the arc of their relationship i think it's based on a book it's set in the Italian Alps. 
it's gorgeous. Like, you know, anybody that listens to the podcast knows me and Jenny love nature, love, love that old girl that gives us these beautiful views. Yeah. A lot of that in this film. And it's just, it's, it's really annoying because I think a lot of people refer to this as like, oh, it's the straight Brokeback Mountain. But no, like, it's not that at all. Like, I think I get the comparison because it's about two men that keep, re- like, they keep checking in with each other over, over like, what, 10, 20 years of their life. I just think that there's something very nuanced that it's saying about the friends that you love and have known the longest and how they are different people than you ultimately and how everything plays a role. Socioeconomic issues, familial issues, you know, work, what work means, um, what creativity means, how your relation to nature you know, like how that informs all of that. And then like how all of these things are swirling around these two men. It's just beautiful. Like the film ended and I just cried and cried mm-hmm. and cried with the credits. It's just like, like even when I'm thinking about it now, I'm like getting emotional. It's such a beautiful film. Yeah. I really recommend I it. So yeah, yeah, I think you'd really like it. Like I really, really think you'd like it. It's just, yeah, it's beautiful. And I like, I think watching it in the cinema was such a treat because we could actually... <laughs> Like, I want to go to the Italian Alps now. Like, we talk, we know all about the oh, Swiss Alps, yeah. but I think the Italian Alps are just gorgeous. Like, they're so green and beautiful, and it's just part of the world that I really want to go to. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's me. What's next for you? I've been watching Somebody Somewhere on HBO Max, uh, specifically season two, which is currently out. I want to give a shout-out to one of our listeners, uh, Rafi Kam, who recommended this all the way back in 2021 yeah shout out thank you yeah i did watch it at the time but we just never got around to talking about it so now want to give a shout out i'm watching the show and it's a really unique show i think out on the landscape right now Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. a series created by hannah bose and paul thurine it stars bridget everett as sam who is a single woman in her 40s who moves back home in Kansas, um, to where her, her, her sister lives there, her parents live there, her older sister who died, uh, lived there. Mm -hmm. And she is just there trying to figure out life basically. Um, so it's more or less following her life in this like little town, Kansas, as she juggles like family and friendship and everything. And just like trying Mm -hmm. to find Mm -hmm. out like what to do with, everything and it also calls co-stars jeff hiller as her best friend and he's truly a delight in this Uh, like if that there is one reason to watch the show it's it's jeff hiller yeah 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 yeah, i I, I like it so much so it's not like a very splashy show or dynamic show like it's not a thriller it's not like a hot and heavy romance there's not like intrigue and anything like that happening at all times it's just like a very honest everyday life sort of thing which is sometimes that's the best kind of thing to watch in between all your other shows yes i think it's it's a really sweet little package it is it is it it, something that i say to like i caveat to people with this show is just like yeah it's not eventful like yeah the things that happen are very ordinary actually and like Mm -hmm. it's fast and i I, honestly i can't believe this got greenlit i'm really happy that it did just because there's something Mm -hmm. very regular world drama about this and that's what makes it so i don't know like i feel very affectionate towards this show because it's like i'm hanging out i'm hanging out with these people that could easily exist in today's world that are living through problems that we all understand that we've gone through some shape or form or we've heard of other people going through some shape or form and like the ordinariness is i don't know it it, it, yeah like you said it's it's very good to have it in your tv diet and then just to kind of the strength of the performances yeah i'm very affectionate towards these people in this show in general yeah yeah yeah. hope it is able to keep getting renewed like yeah it is sort of a question mark because it's yeah it is an outlier i think especially among like the stable of hbo stuff right now so yes we'll see we'll see fingers crossed yeah yeah all right what's next for you Bellin? So I've been watching Mrs. Davis, which is a TV show on Peacock. It is show run by Tara Hernandez and Damon Lindelof, who we all know as one of our favorite showrunners. Uh, 
he show ran Lost, he show ran The Leftovers, um, Watchmen. So I, I honestly started watching it because I saw that this was his latest project because he hasn't done anything in a while. Like he hasn't done anything since Watchmen. And this is very different. Uh, this is an acquired taste of a show. And if you listen to any other podcasts where people talk about this or you read any reviews or you've seen any tweets about this, I think the general consensus is, huh. That's different. <laughs> so it stars Betty Gilpin, who I'm a huge fan of. Like, I loved her yeah, loved since her. Nurse Jackie. Yeah. And, you know, she's, you know, in Glow and everything. So it's, like, really great to see her back on the screen again. I – so let me just, like, TLDR what this show is about. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to get into it. So essentially, uh, Betty Gilpin stars as Simone, who is a nun, and – she is assigned by Mrs. Davis, who is, you know, the titular role is an AI um, program, kind of like Siri, but not like like a more maternal Siri, I think is like how I would describe Mrs. Davis. So she's told by Mrs. Davis to find the Holy Grail. And if she does, then, you know, Simone said that she will only if Mrs. Davis shuts down because she hates Mrs. Davis and Mrs. Davis is behind a, a hugely traumatic event for her so it's kind of you know it's about faith and it's also about technology um the tone of the show is very goofy like it i, the, I, I think like most recently i i told a friend i was like it kind of reminds me a little bit of jane the virgin like it mm. just the the way that it feels very like won't say camp but like definitely like silly you know and knows it's, it's silly camp. and, le- and yeah. then like leans into the silliness yeah um and you know i think with damon lindelof like he's known to do stories about faith um i think the leftovers lost like all of these things have very like religious elements into it including watchmen too but you know that's more the ip than him what did you think of this because i know that you, you watched one episode I, I watched one episode. I, I think I'm good after that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah. I, hate I, I think it's kind of an acquired taste and I just, it's, it's yeah. not my taste currently. Maybe if I kept going, but I think I'm just like not quite inclined to do that at this moment. That's in time. fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. I think I, I like it because it doesn't take itself seriously and i like that it's taking these like very serious heavy themes and just throwing them against the wall and being like man who cares you know um i I like that approach to it i also so this is this is i think the part that like some people might um turn their nose at but i actually like it is religion is is earnest in this like it isn't something that feels like it's turning its nose at or making fun of people Mm. that have faith which you know a lot of the time especially with regards to like new tv shows it does and i think a lot of the time people worry that if it is too um earnest or too like positive about people with faith that then it leans into like christian or faith-based media um and I think this 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 really figures out a way to not do that, and then also show respect. You know, like that. There's like a decent amount of respect for for those that do believe in God, that do believe in Jesus Christ, and like it, that. That's like a running theme. I do not think that anybody that is Christian, like it's not something that people of like a faith will watch and be like, "This is respectful to my faith." I don't think so. Like, if you're maybe more chill about it, then sure. But it does play with these themes and ultimately what it says about like love and faith and like your love of like God or whatever is earnest. Like it doesn't, it doesn't look down on it. And I like that. Like I think it's rare that that happens. Um, and I like that it happens in the context of this show just because you can clearly tell that the writers know how to make fun of the situation, know how to be stupid. Um, and also like how it approaches AI is, is very, like the the season finale came out recently and you kind of find out how the ai got its start and it's so stupid and funny as as to how it got its start but it says something about how technology just in general becomes what it is now which is like for very stupid silly reasons and then suddenly it controls the world um 
So I I like it just because, you know, I it is an acquired taste. I think you either like the tone of it or you don't. You like the themes of it or you don't. I personally like it because I think it's very flippant and I like the flippancy of like how it approaches everything. And the comedy's dumb. Like and I'm my type of comedy is like just be just be dumb. Like just be stupid. I think it's just fun to just be a little bit silly most of the time. So it fits into that kind of um wheelhouse for me so if that sounds like it's up your street go go ahead give it a go let me know what you think tweet at me i'd love to hear your thoughts um so what's next for you the other two it is back for season three and i'm so glad um this is on hbo max of course it's created by chris kelly and sarah schneider we Mm -hmm. talked about it previously i think um essentially about these two siblings, played by Alan York and Drew Tarver, who are riding on the coattails of their little brothers and then their mom's fame. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> just one of the funniest shows on TV, I think, right now, yeah. and especially getting into, you know, the satirizing, um, the ridiculousness of celebrity culture, celebrity worship, pop culture, um, fame, and, and Hollywood, and just the industry in general. It's it's like yeah. a little bit yeah. absurd, it's quite sharp. Um, it's just it's just funny. I love it a lot. This is one of my favorite shows to so just like chill out and relax to. Yeah. And I'm so yeah. glad it's back. And the current season I think is Yeah, I think the show does a really good job of just like keeping them moving forward, uh, keeping them growing in different ways while still remaining true to their fatal flaws <laughs> and basically the yeah. things that make them kind of either pitiful or like it's just like you know, bad human beings. Um, it's very true to yeah. that. So that makes it an excellent comedy, I think. Yeah, I, I'm saving it. I haven't started it yet. And I'm saving it for, I don't know what, like, I'm just excited to get into season three. Nice. All right, let's 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 move on to what's next on your list. Uh, so I have not finished, but I've watched most of Dead Ringers, which is on Amazon Prime. This is the show uh, by Alice Birch, who wrote Normal People and has also written on Succession in the past. She's showrunning it completely, and it stars Rachel Weisz as the Mantle Twins. So she plays twins, who are OBGYNs, and it's based on the Cronenberg movie by the same name. Um, yeah, this is... Um, <laughs> speaking of acquired taste again, um, this is definitely more on the dark, stylized... Uh, element so if you're looking for like a bit of a thriller a bit of a well i mean if you have a crush on rachel vice and you want to see two versions of her like by all means this is right up your alley um but this is you know it's it's a very very particular kind of show the dialogue is very particular it looks gorgeous it's directed really really well but if you are squeamish about birth scenes um for I think it just kind of throws you in at the deep end in the pilot in the first episode and it's kind of okay the rest of the way, but it is very gory. And, you know, that kind of leads on from the Cronenberg-esque look and feel of like body horror. But this is body horror in the realm of obviously giving birth um, and C-sections and so on and so forth. So so if you got your fill of that with House of the Dragon and you, you're like, I'm done, uh, I wouldn't recommend this show. <laughs> but really interesting psychological thriller. Um, I do have my qualms with it. I think there's it's a little bit too stylized for my liking, but I'm interested to see where it goes. And again, Rachel Weiss, are you kidding me? I'll watch her every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Um, so what's next for you? Last one, I am going to talk about Love Village, which is on Netflix. This is a new Japanese reality dating show. Yay. You know we love those. Yes, finally. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the concept is basically 35 and over, which is <gasps> new for dating Ooh. shows. So 35 and over. So far, and I am not done with um, what's out there yet, but I'm like maybe halfway through. So far, mm. we've seen people range from basically 35 to 60 on the show. A lot of them are sort of in their late 30s or their 40s. And they basically take them to this very kind of a little bit of a rundown traditional house in the countryside and they have to kind of live together and work work together to renovate and like refurbish this place um (gasps) also like kind of getting to know each other and seeing who clicks together and they have to like officially you know reject or accept a person if they like confess to them and so there's kind of a ritual to it um i'm not sure the extent of its 
let's say, authenticity, because some people have been talking about, like, oh, these people are actually, you know, they say they work this regular job, but they're actually an actor on the side, and... But, you know, uh, that's a problem with any reality TV show. Um, right. It's, it's pretty nice to just have, like, as a chill, like, reality dating moment thing going yeah, on in the background. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think people could check this out. It sounds right up my alley, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's interesting to see these, like, different types of dating shows or, like, new dating shows starting with older contestants. Like, with The Bachelor, yeah. they're doing The Golden Bachelor, I oh. think, where it's, like, an older... Yeah, an, an older cohort of, of contestants. I, it also doesn't surprise me that they, if they are hiring actors, it doesn't surprise me because they probably want to avoid the Terrace House debacle um, yeah, again. Yeah. So <laughs> it makes sense. Sweet. And finally, what is next in your grab bag, Fallon? Speaking of all these shows that are ending, I am watching the final season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is on Amazon Prime. I feel like I'm the only person that is watching this show anymore (laughs) because everybody turned on it in season three, I'm going to say. No, but I'm still here. I still like it. I still enjoy it. I think everything that I liked about it initially, I still like about it, which is it's very particular it's it's a very particular you know tone and feel and dialogue and look um this is an amy sherman palandino and daniel palandino show they are very particular types of showrunners and i'm still having a good time man i'm kind of like i like seeing in general how these characters are going to wrap up and uh, the highlight of this season was the one about Susie because we have a time jump in this season too which mm-hmm. I like and I and I and I enjoy um but the Susie episode was my favorite and I loved it and I love where she ended up um I'm excited to see where where it wraps up I again very uh, like I have a lot of affection for the show and yeah. no one can tell me any different I don't give a shit like if you don't like it I don't give a <laughs> yeah. shit I like, like my like, yeah. I like what I like. And like, you know, I'm a dark political thriller, spy shit girl. Like, that's my bag. But like, every now and again, I love this Amy shit. And I love my TV show to look a little bit like a musical. So yeah, yeah this is this is me. So that is it for us this week. And again, for the time being, um, aside yeah. from Succession Send Off, which again, will continue to come out. Uh, with a special episode celebrating its finale. Yes. So for the next month plus monthish, uh, watch some stuff. Let us know what you are watching still. Yeah. We'll, I'm sure we'll have stuff to catch up on. Email us at criticismisdead at gmail.com. Find us at criticismisdead, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our newsletter, criticismisdead.subsect.com for extended show notes for this episode. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us personally on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. I am not that active, but I know Pellin posts a lot of interesting <laughs> tweets. I love that shade. Often. I love that shade. Thank you. Yeah. So you can <laughs> give her a follow. And I think she will also probably keep people updated on her film and I specifically will. financing for her film. Hidden yes. Hidden. Do you want to do a little plug, Pellin? Yes. Um, so it's called Three Meals. Um, it's a short film that's coming out hopefully by September, but we will be shooting it and I do need money for it. So if you see a fundraising link from Seed and Spark from me, please click and feel free to donate however your heart desires. Um, I appreciate all of you in advance. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you very much. I personally mm-hmm. will be donating. Uh, so yeah let's yeah. get this movie made just give, just give me a dollar um, jenny just one dollar is fine thank you honey no, no, no. come on come <laughs> on um and as always thank you so much everyone for listening we appreciate your love we appreciate your ratings and reviews yeah. specifically five stars on apple yeah. Podcasts and other apps of choice we appreciate when you tell people about us or tag yeah, us and stuff or just you know chattering around with us in general uh we will see you for succession send-off as usual yep and after that enjoy summer a little bit enjoy the summer break yeah we'll see we'll see you later guys don't worry bye criticism is dead is produced by pelin keskin lu and jenny chisha our music is by rika our artwork and design are by sarah macias and andrew luke 